Let us pray and we'll come to our reading and then see what the word says to each of us. Sovereign Lord, God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords, creator, maker, sustainer of all that there is. We are your crowning creation, Lord. You breathed into us the breath of life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, we can come and have a right relationship with you. We thank you for the men and women who created your account in the scriptures we have today. We thank you for their faith. We thank you for their time of listening to you. We thank you that you gave them a memory to write down the words we have. So, Lord, as we come to read your word, as we come to try to understand them in our own life, let your Holy Spirit fall on each and every one of us right now in this next half hour. And at the end, let us say, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Just before we start to the musicians, I'm sure the other song you've got at the close is worthy. But could I ask we could repeat that song again, please? It's just marvellous, it just fit in. The words we are reading this morning again, uh, several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak to you and I thank the elders for giving me another opportunity to finish what I was going to say. So uh, it's the same reading though, it's a marvellous word from uh, Paul. What shall we say about such wondrous things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us a right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us? If we have troubles or calamity or are persecuted or hunger or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. 
we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears of today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth beneath. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God. Very quickly, I'm going to summarise what I brought to you two weeks ago and then uh, we'll close. The theme was uh, separating truth from fiction. And the first question I asked was, are there degrees of sin? Are there good sins or bad sins? Are there big sins or small sins? In our own eyes, I think we would say yes. But in God's eyes, sin is sin. There's no big, there's no small, there's no good, there's no bad. It is plain sin. And then I said, or asked the second question, can you name the seven deadly sins? And I wonder who could remember them now. But I won't put you in the spot. They're lust. Gluttony, greed, slothfulness or laziness, wrath, which means anger, and uh, envy and pride. And if you turn to Romans 1, 29 and 30, there's actually 22 more mentioned. And then I said that probably all of us have been tempted in one way or another with that list. But temptation is not sin. Temptation is temptation. It's there before it said, oh, yes, it won't hurt, it won't, you know, you can do this or act that way or say those things or whatever. As the devil said to Adam and Eve, But activating the temptation is a sin. And that's what we have to be very careful about. And then we moved on to discuss how hard it is to convince believers, new and mature in their faith, that when we confess our sins and accept Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour, that he died to pay the price of our sin. On the cross, our sins are washed away, they are blotted out, they are remembered no more. Do you believe that? Or do you still have your doubts and your fears? If God called you home right now, 
would you take that what we just shared in communion, that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and say, Lord, when I stand before you, I am a sinner, that when we go to glory, we have nothing to fear. We point to Jesus and say, in him, God, I rest my case. But a lot of us have our doubts. Many believe, as I said, this is fiction. It's too easy. Other religions say, no, that's too easy. Christian, you don't do that. You've got to sac- you sacrifice yourself. You've got to roll on your stomach for four kilometres to a Buddha or another god. You've got to crawl on your knees. You've got to whip yourself. You've got to do something. Christianity, that's too easy. But it's not, is it? The truth, it isn't. When temptation comes, we struggle. And over and over again we say, by the grace of God and by the blood of Jesus Christ, get behind me, Satan. And we take that by faith and say, Lord, you said your word is true. I'm standing on your word. Do you still have doubts and fears, your apprehensions about where you stand? In Jesus, our sins have been washed away, as Isaiah chapter 18 says. Our old is dead, and all that held us captive to him and to our old nature is dead. In him, Jesus Christ alone, we are given new life, We are redeemed, we are renewed, and we are rewarded. And friends, that is the truth. That is not fiction. Paul, in this marvellous letter to the believers in Rome and to us readers now in 220, thrums into us, pulpit bashing into us consistently. He says, in Christ. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. And in verse 37, it speaks of suffering and hardships, doubts, discouragement at times, growing cold in our faith, perhaps feeling guilt caused by past sins and the scars are still there. Some of us may have an alcoholic problem or some of us may be tempted in uh, other ways. And the scars of that life show on our face and all that. But that's all they show. And when we see and look into the mirror, we see something. But what does God see? He sees the love of Christ in you. And he says, continue on, my friend. Stand on the promises that I have given you. And as we looked again, the fact is that we're not all exempt from the trials of above. We are living human beings being transformed into the likeness of Christ. 
And it takes time. It takes commitment. It takes faith, hope and love for that to become a mature belief in ourselves. But is is it only us today that struggled with those things? No. It was Abraham and Sarah. They struggled. It was Moses. Lord, I can't speak. And the Lord said, well, Moses, you're going to miss out. I'm going to get Aaron, but you're still going to lead the people out. And what about Ruth and Naomi and Job, Elijah? And we can add Jesus to that, except not human sinfulness. Jesus was struggled in some parts of his walk. Hunger and tired and uh, weak and at the cross, he really struggled. And as it says, he dropped uh, droplets of blood as he agonised over whether he could go ahead with it. And then last week, last time we looked at Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 33. And read that again, friends, of the struggle that he had physically in trying to deal with us. And each of us today would acknowledge This is a reality of trying to live a life pleasing to God today, each of us. But did we notice the words contained in the last verse of 25? The answer to all the above hardships are answered in Jesus Christ. And Paul mentions the words in Jesus or through Jesus 169 times in all his letters in the New Testament. 169 times. We say, oh, if it's mentioned twice, it's important. So how how vastly important is it that it's in Christ our answer they had? And two of them will read in uh, 6.23, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And 7.24, Paul himself, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Thanks be to God, the answer is in Jesus Christ. Are you starting to believe that in Christ you're going to be okay? That there is nothing else on this earthly or on earth or in this earthly world, regardless of what I may have said or even left out, can detach, separate, make void the assurance of your salvation in Christ. But it doesn't stop there, does it? Because Paul says it's not only friends in this earthly world in which we're placed. There is nothing in the spiritual world either. And we start to get deeper and deeper into what this means. No death, no demons, no fear of hell, 
no angels, no todays or tomorrows, no powers in the sky. And what does he mean by that? No sun worshipping, nor moon worshipping, or horoscopes, or stargazing, or scientific evidence, or anthropology, no origin of the species, no voodoo or black magic, or anything else you can throw at me or Paul at scriptures and say, but this, Paul says, there is nothing, period, that can take away your love in Christ Jesus. Separate or separated is an interesting word in Scripture. It is one of the first words actually mentioned in Scripture. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, 1, 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that that light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness God called the light day and the darkness night and the evening passed and the morning marked the first day. I'm going to put a teaser to you. What made the light? It wasn't the sun. It wasn't the moon. It wasn't the stars because they weren't created until three days after. So what was the light that God made? I'll leave it there. I'll let you work it out. The word separate or separated can also mean to be distinct from, non-fellowship, to part ways, to withdraw or depart. And if we went to 2 Corinthians six fourteen to 17, Paul asks, can these things coexist together? Can righteousness and wickedness coexist? Can light and darkness coexist? Can Christ and Satan be together? Can God's temple and idols be shared? Can believers and unbelievers really share a deep, meaningful relationship? Brothers and sisters, separate does not mean exclusion. I repeat, separate does not mean exclusion from the world, the state or the community in which we are placed. Some Christian denominations do hold that it does mean exclusion. And I forgive me, but I say with the fear of God myself, exclusive brethren, exclusion brethren or exclusive brethren. I have dear friends, dear Christian friends, and they were in exclusive brethren movement. And the Spirit of God touched their lives and they said, we have to move. 
we have to go to another church. And they went to their parents and they said, Mum and Dad, I'm sorry, but we are coming out of the exclusive brethren. And with our guilt, sorrow or any emotion, they said, if you do, you are not my son, you are not my daughter, we don't own any of your grandchildren, we have nothing to do with you. And that's what happened. They're alive today, but they have no fellowship at all with their parents. Their grandchildren, they disown as their grandchildren. Friends, that is not right. That is not scriptural. And the other one that comes to it is Scientology. They're exclusive. No, separate means to be distinct from. And if somehow you believe it does mean exclusion, if you're saying, Bill, I'm sorry, but uh, I don't agree with exactly what you're saying, then what is the point of Jesus' instruction to the 72? Take no money, take no clothes, go out into the villages and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand and heal them. What's the point of Jesus' final command and words to the disciples in Matthew 28? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What is the truth behind Jesus' prayer in John 17, 18? Just as you, Father, have sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. What is the sense of the act of Acts 1 8? And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, beginning where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Being separate. Or to depart does not mean exclusion. However, we are set apart for a reason. We are called out of darkness into his wonderful light. To be unique. To be special. To stand out from the crowd, so to speak. To be a light for those who are lost in darkness of their sin, their shadows of fear, their abandonment, helplessness, hopelessness, and their forsakenness. We, you, me, are to be a light to these people. There's a wonderful modern song by a Christian, uh, last by Laurel Daigle, I think it is. And this is her opening words to you say. 
I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. I am more than just the sum of every high and low. Remind me once again who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. We need to be a person standing by the side of that person. We are to be the salt for those who have lost their faith, their dignity, their selfhood, their identity, their purpose of who am I really? We need to bring flavour back into their situations. Last week, Michael spoke on our identity. Who are you? And he said that we are the cream of God's crop. We are an investment of God's purpose. And then his closing words at the end, said, perhaps you are the greatest thing in the world right now. Do you believe that? There's a great overhead. And there's a little boy of 10 years old. And he's standing like this. And he's looking and he's saying, I know who I am because... God makes no junk. When you look in the mirror every morning, what do you see? Do you see junk? Or do you see something wonderful that's been created? And God says, I love you. I love what I see. And God says, you love yourself. But more than that, love your neighbour as you love yourself. We are called to express what the love of God and Christ looks like in the real world. Love our neighbour as we love ourselves. You are to show Christ is amongst us and not excluded from us. And the early church, the very early Christians, also some of them got it wrong. They became hermits. They lived in caves, they lived in trees, they lived on poles and they said, I want to get away from the world. I and God are the only ones that matter and that's not what the gospel says. There's a wonderful illustration of a monastery where Father John was the leader and this monastery struggled, it started to lose uh, young men coming in and being priests and going out into the community. And so they had a meeting and they said to Father John, Father John, we need you to go down to the wise sage and ask him, what are we to do? What can we do to save our monastery? And a week passed and Father John came back and each of them said, Father John, what did the wise man say? 
What did he say? And he looked at each of them and he said, all he said was, Christ is amongst us. Christ is amongst us? Yep. That's all he said. Yep. He said, go away and think about it. And so a couple of days later, they started thinking about it. And around the table, they started eating. And they said, well, it can't be Brother Michael because he's an angry old man, always angry. It can't be Father, uh, Brother Peter because he's an alcoholic. It can't be Stephen because he's a glutton. It can't be uh, Patrick because he's a gossip. So who is he? And they start to realise that if they started treating each other as if he was Christ, what a difference that would make in their life and in the life of the monastery. And it did. People start to see a difference and they start to feel welcome. And so the uh, monastery opened up the gates and people would come in. And then they had people saying, I want to be part of this community. So in closing, friends, how solid and secure is your state of salvation in Jesus Christ? Is it absolute? Is it a rejoicing assurance? Do you have joy in your faith and in the unbending hope of the future that awaits? Friends, in Christ means more than becoming a member of a church. It means more than being on an enrolment list. It means more than good works. It means good behaviour is not enough. It means that my parents' faith is not enough. It means I read the Bible every day is not enough. It means my attendance to a church each Sunday is not enough. It means being baptised is not enough. In Christ means being born again. It means acknowledgement of my sin. It means repentance. It means accepting through faith that Christ died for my sins. It means I am not guilty anymore. It means that I am right with God. It means I have peace with God. It means we can be serendipitously happy. And what does that word mean? Overwhelming victory. If you got joy overflowing in your life because the victory you have in Jesus, it means that we are a friend of God and not an enemy. And it means that we are going to have eternal life in the presence of Jesus Christ. In Christ means that now... I am a new creation. 
this transformation that has taken place with the help of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and like-minded brothers and sisters of the faith. It means my faith will grow. It means my trust will develop into building stones. It means my hope will be encouraged to expect the unexpected. And it means my love for God will be ever increasing. Have you encouraged a believer recently? Have you? Have you gone to that person and say, I just want to encourage you today. And it was great to see what the elders and the church did this morning in encouraging a young man going to university. That was great. That's what we're here about. To say you're not alone, even if you go to Melbourne, we're going to go there and we're going to uphold you in prayer. We're going to encourage you in your faith walk. In Christ, it means we have a saviour who is sitting at the right hand of God, a place of the highest honour. It's a place of ultimate power and authority, a place that emphasises his work is finished, complete. It's a place that he gave up to become our saviour, redeemer and friend. And if you want to know, read Philippians 2, 6 to 8. It means, does your Sundays translate into your Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays? Friends, Jesus not only gave up his place in heaven for you, he died on the cross for each of us. And that should mean something to us all. And he's not sitting idle. Right now, what's he doing right now? Right now he's standing at the door of your heart and soul and knocking at that door and asking to come in and have a relationship with you right now. That is the truth. That is not fiction. My closing illustration is the same as it was two weeks ago. Friends, it says that from the best form of advertising is by the word of mouth. People telling other people. Fifty years ago, a car manufacturer named his car the placard and he was pestered by the advertising companies to get into the act like the other big motor car manufacturers, General Motors and Ford, but he refused and asked why he wouldn't do this. He replied, I don't need advertising. Just ask the man who owns one. God doesn't need advertising. Jesus doesn't need advertising. 
He looks at you. And people look at your behaviour, your actions, your demeanour, your faith walk. Is it true? Is it fair dinkum? Is it honest? Christians, you and I are a witness to the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. That we are sure of our salvation because the peace and assurance we have in him. Are you a good advertiser? Am I a good advertiser of who we are and what we are because of God's love and a friend that we have in Jesus Christ? I pray that you are. Let me close in prayer, shall we? Thank you that we don't worship a piece of stone, a piece of wood, a piece of cloth or a paper. We don't worship cast idols, but we thank you that we do worship a living God. And we thank you for Jesus Christ who is alive within us this day. He is not dead. He is raised from the dead. And he is active in our very lives this moment. Lord, do your work within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters.